What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and we're coming at you from a different spot within the basement here because I didn't have time to record last night, so I had to record this Thursday morning, which means the sun is coming in, beating on the couch, which was beating on me, and I had this huge bright spot on my chest. I don't know, something with the camera was making it super bright on my chest, and then I was just kind of talking from the shadows. So we moved up the setup a little bit, but today... We're going to talk about my five players skyrocketing up my rest of season rankings. This just feels like a natural video to start doing on Thursdays since every Wednesday I come out here and I update my rest of season rankings on the Patreon. I go through my top 25 quarterbacks, top 25 tight ends, top 50 running backs, top 50 wide receivers, and how I would value those guys for the rest of the year. I update those every single Wednesday. And then afterwards for this video, I've been going through and seeing what players have increased the most since the last update. So we're going to get into that in a second. If you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. All right. So for this first one, it is finally time to give Josh Jacobs the respect that he has earned as a top five running back rest of season. Last week, you know, I thought, okay, two 30-point games in a row. Not that it's a fluke, but maybe he'll come back down to earth. Maybe he isn't this, I mean, he looks like he's Arian Foster out there. He comes out here again and puts up another 30-point game. He now has three straight 30-plus point PPR games and is the running back two on the season at 22.2 points per game. I moved him from my RB13 to RB5. It sounds crazy, but he's my RB5. After CMC, JT, Eckler, Saquon, and whatever order you want to put him, I think Jacobs is squarely in that conversation. Now, to be fair, from like RB5 to like RB11, I have a massive tier of like Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Mixon, Kamara, Dalvin Cook. You can put a bunch of guys in that second tier, but I think that Jacobs at the very least deserves to be a part of that. Now, what has changed, right? Like what Josh Jacobs coming into the year was like this boring running back, middling RB2. He's never finished as a as anything better than like 15 points per game. Right now he's at 22. So I wanted to kind of see what's going on. Now, he is having crazy efficiency. Now, that's a little bit scary because efficiency doesn't efficiency doesn't last really. But he's getting more volume here. So last year, he was averaging 14 and a half carries per game and 58 yards per game. This year, he's averaging 18 and a half carries per game, 106 yards rushing per game, which is crazy. That's four more carries, but like almost doubling his rushing yardage. It's pretty crazy. Now, on top of being this rejuvenated rusher, he is seeing a massive receiving role increase since week three. Since week three, he has run a route on 57% of dropbacks, which is third in the NFL among running backs since week three. He has a 15.6% target share, which is seven among, seventh among running backs, and his career-high target share is 12.4%. He is seeing the most volume, that, volume he's ever seen. It's not stunting his efficiency. He's balling out. He's sort of being used more like what we envisioned coming out of school. People don't know this, but coming out of school, Josh Jacobs was seeing the, the sell on Josh Jacobs drafting in the first round wasn't to use him as this between the tackles grinder like he's been used by like Gruden for all these years. The idea was is that he caught passes at Alabama. Damian Harris was the between the tackles grinder on that team. 
and he was supposed to he was supposed to be used like a Kamara, like these receiving backs we see in the NFL. I mean, he's not going to be a McCaffrey, but somebody that could challenge for like seventy plus catches every year. He never really found that role. Seems like he's finally finding his way back to that role. He handled one hundred percent of the two minute drill last week, which is really really impressive for a running back at five two five ten two hundred twenty pounds. He is a true bell cow. He is seeing fifteen percent target share. He's seeing eighteen and a half carries per game. He is handling the two-minute drill stuff. It's crazy for a guy that we pretty much assumed had no upside going into the year. He is almost making a case for a legendary running back season here. Josh Jacobs, out of the blue, top five option. I have kneeled down to the king here. I will say, I do have a Josh Jacobs team out there that I actually drafted on stream. Uh, It's one of my best teams I have right now. I drafted, I believe we went Eckler. I think we went Eckler. Like AJ Brown, I, I and I think Josh Jacobs in like round eight. It's a really fun team uh, that's doing really well. So if you have a Josh Jacobs team out there, you are feeling it. Now I didn't even talk about. Oh no, I did. RB thirteen to RB five. That was a plus eight increase. Now our next running back we'll talk about here, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. We all know the big move this week. James Robinson getting traded to my Jets. And I wanted to use this video to sort of speak on the moving parts in that deal, just because I haven't really had a spot since it happened after my top 10 lessons learned video. There wasn't really a spot to like sit down and talk about what this move means for fantasy. But now I can kind of come to you guys and tell you who the big movers were, who the big losers were from this trade. And of course, James Robinson goes to the Jets, which means it's ETN season. The only other running backs he's competing with are Snoop Connor and Jermichael Hasty. I moved him from my RB20 rest of season to my RB12, which I think is fair. He should get a lot of work. He just saw a he just had a 14-carry, five-target day. That's 19 opportunities. He should flirt with like 15 to 20 opportunities per week, and he has monster efficiency this year. He has a 6.1 yards per carry, which is like third in the NFL. He's second in the NFL in rushing yards over expected per attempt, which is just on a given rush attempt, how much are you expected to get? How much are you exceeding that per attempt? He is one of the best in the NFL at doing the most with what he's given. He's seventh in PFF rush grade. He's second in breakaway run percentage. He has five touches over 20 yards, one touch over 30, two touches over 20 yards. He has crazy home run speed. This like special, if you watch him, the how fast he can get from the line of scrimmage to the first down marker. I don't know if there's anybody out there that has that special like burst acceleration that he has he has a crazy gear he can get to really really quick that I haven't really seen from many other running backs now when we talk about him rest of season he's a fringe running back one rest of season for me he has upside for more than that if we can finally get some receiving game efficiency too this past week he had five targets he only turned that into one catch for like five yards if we could start seeing him turn five targets into like three to four catches for 40 yards plus 15 carries for 100 yards and like a touchdown on the day we can finally see some really big performances. He hasn't even really put up a huge game yet. He hasn't scored over 20 PPR points, I don't believe. That's coming. A lot of things are sort of forming here for Travis Etienne. It's wheels all the way up. It's just going to be interesting to sort of see what he looks like in a bell cow role. I I, I never really thought that he would be a bell cow in the NFL. I, I thought kind of coming into the, you know, him coming into the NFL, I saw him more as like an Eckler or Kamara where, you know, you ram a... Sony Michelle, Josh Kelly, Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram between the tackles, and you let ETN, uh, you know, eat in the end zone or eat in the red zone, eat on passing downs. But it's going to be interesting to sort of see 
how they use him moving forward. Now, the other side of that trade, James Robinson going to the Jets, how does that affect the Jets' backfield? Because now we have Brees Hall out for the year, and that gives a huge boost to Michael Carter. Michael Carter gets a clear downgrade in competition going from Brees Hall, who was looking like one of the most electric running backs in the NFL, still dude, still down so horrendously as a Jets fan that Brees Hall is hurt. He was our entire offense. He looked so, so special, man. We, we had the front runners for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. It sucks to see, but Carter goes from my RB43 last week all the way to my RB28, biggest mover of the week, plus 15 running back spots. And this is kind of how I see this backfield getting split up here. I think you'll see Carter's the 1A. And I think that you'll see a really big chunk of the volume go to Michael Carter in these first, you know, one, two, three games as James Robinson's learning the playbook. And then I also think that we might be giving James Robinson too much credit. He looked really good in the first two or three games, but it seems like he's been dealing with a knee injury. I don't know if it's because of the Achilles, but he hasn't looked right since like week three he's still sort of limping with the knee last week was like the worst that we've seen him with this injury where he didn't even play a carry or I think he might have had like one carry on the day it does just seem a little bit weird I think he's I think he's still past the Jets physical um but it does seem weird where he was like hobbled all day the Jaguars don't use him at all and then they immediately ship him without even thinking twice about it so Definitely something to keep an eye on with James Robinson, where I didn't really change how I feel about James Robinson too, too much. He's still the secondary back between the tackles grinder. You have to think, I don't know, I was going to say maybe the Jets sit on more positive like leads than the Jaguars, but I think that they're both similarly graded teams, and the AFC South is a lot easier than the AFC East. Now, with Michael Carter, he's going to be the lead guy. He should be the clear passing down back. He should get over, you know, a little over half of the rush attempts between these running backs. And we've seen him as the lead back before, and he's done really well. If we look at what he's done as a lead back last week, he had 13 carries after Brees Hall went down, and he has six games in his career with 13 or more carries. He has averaged 15.4 points per game in those games, which doesn't seem like a lot, but with how bad running back has been this year, that would put him at the RB13 this year in points per game if he just replicated that 15.4 points per game. So Michael Carter, I have him at RB28. I could easily see myself putting him in the top 20 running backs if he comes out this week against the Patriots and looks really good. But he is in a spot here where if you've been holding on to your Michael Carter bags, he is now an every week startable RB2 guy for your team. Now our third player skyrocketing up rankings is our only non-running back on this list. I don't know why I had so many running backs this week, but just kind of how it ended up working out. We have DeAndre Hopkins. He goes from my wide receiver 26 last week to my wide receiver 15. He moves up 11 spots. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I completely overlooked DeAndre Hopkins this year. I thought last year he didn't look great. I thought coming into this year he'd be kind of washed. I thought that he would be second fiddle to Marquise Brown in this offense. Well, Marquise Brown gets hurt. DeAndre Hopkins comes out here in his first game back. He's the only option in this passing game. I mean, I guess they have Zach Ertz and they have Rondell Moore, but in terms of like elite passing options, he is the only one. And he comes out here with a 14 target, 10 catch, 103 yard game with an insane 48.3% target share for 20.3 PPR points in just his first game back. Now, 
that was vintage Hopkins, man. He is commanding targets like he always has. The usage was super encouraging. And that's what I want to talk about most here is DeAndre Hopkins. He's always been someone that commands a high clip of targets, but his usage on the Cardinals has been so bad. Cliff Kingsbury is maybe one of the most fraudulent coaches in the NFL. And he's always used Hopkins in this really weird role where it's almost like like rookie year DK Metcalf type where he would put him on strictly the left side and just have him run vertical routes all game long, not, you know, putting him around the formation where if you watch, say, McVay with Cup or you watch O'Connell with Justin Jefferson or any of these top dog wide receivers, they're getting moved both sides in the slot, you know, off the line, on the line moving them all around the formation to try and get different matchups. Or instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to put my number one wide receiver on the number one corner. Okay, let's try and get the wide receiver on a nickelback. Let's try and get the wide receiver on a linebacker or safety and try and get, you know, a favorable matchup for that wide receiver. Which, in years past, Klingsbury, like we said, has struggled with that. Last year, DeAndre Hopkins' slot percent was 14.9%. In this game, in his first game back, he played in the slot on 42.4% of snaps would be a career high, which is huge because, again, this has been one of the biggest issues is Kingsbury has had no creativity in terms of using Hopkins. If this sticks at all, this change this gives a huge ceiling to DeAndre Hopkins if he can sort of be used in a way where, yes, he's old, he doesn't have the same athleticism as he used to have, but if we can sort of transition him, kind of like late career Larry Fitzgerald, but not not like death Larry Fitzgerald, but like the 33, 34-year-old Larry Fitzgerald putting up 1,000-yard, 100-catch seasons. And if you can instead, instead of making it hard on him and having him, you know, beat a guy one-on-one on the outside every single play, if you move him around get creative with it, then I think that you are better setting himself up or better setting DeAndre Hopkins up to succeed. And I want to show you guys real quick. These are the two route charts, right? This is the, this is the route chart from what he just did. And this is a little before and after. So the left side's before. This is week one of last year. His best fantasy point performance of 2021 was on the left side here. He gets six catches, 83 yards, two touchdowns. And as you guys can see, outside of maybe that one touchdown, all of these are on the left side. They're out breaking routes. I mean, some of them are, are, are you know, in breaking routes. Some of them are like, I guess they're, they're breaking in, but it's not a lot of creativity, right? He's just on that one side. He's running down the field, he's running outs, he's running crossers, but there's not really a lot of creativity there, right? And he still had a great game because he is a great wide receiver, but you want to see him use like he's being used on this right side where you guys can see he's being used in the slot on numerous occasions, numerous routes from the slot. He's being used on the outside. It even seems like there's a couple here where he might've even been in motion, which is great to see, but this is what you want. Your number one wide receiver, 10 catches, 103 yards, should be deployed like this all over the formation, running a plethora of routes. DeAndre Hopkins is like almost 30 years old at this point. He should, you know, he should have a deep bag of tricks when it comes to running routes. If Kingsbury lets Hopkins play like this moving forward, he could very easily be my top 12 wide receivers as soon as next week, just as somebody that is going to get a 25 to 30% target share attached to Kyler Murray, with no target competition, he has a ton of upside if he can just show us one more time that not only is DeAndre Hopkins still talented, but if Kingsbury is still going to be as creative as he was in this game. Now, our last player that is skyrocketing in my rankings 
is Tony Pollard. And he came into last week as the RB32 in my rest of season rankings. I moved him up to RB24 here because Pollard's season is damn near in full effect, fellas. It is damn near in full effect. He hit season highs last week in snaps and route percentage. 65% of the snaps he played. He ran a route on 50% of the routes, which is huge. We want to say 50% plus in that Aaron Jones-Eckler area. That's where he was at. And I know that Zeke, I think he left the game early with an injury. But it seems like he is going to be missing this Sunday's game, which is absolutely massive for Tony Pollard. Pollard is playing against the Bears. We have a report here, Zeke likely to miss this game. And if he misses this game, Pollard will be a top five running back option this week, playing against a Bears run defense that is allowing the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. And in our only game ever with Tony Pollard, starting as the Cowboys running back with no Zeke Elliott. He had 31.2 PPR points as the RB1 on the week on just 18 touches. Six catches, 12 carries. He turned it into 30-plus points. It is time. He is going to have a massive game here. They have a bye week afterwards. Now, here's the question. This is just one week. This is just Tony Pollard having a good matchup here. Zeke is hurt. He's not out for the season. Why move him up rest of season rankings for just one week? Well, he's a top five running back this week, and then he goes back to being himself the rest of the year, so that means something. But Zeke is an old running back. He has a lot of mileage. This knee injury could keep him out much longer than just one week. There's some some talks out there. They're really trying to cover it up, this Zeke Elliott injury. Like if there, There's a lot of conflicting reports out there. Some people are saying knee sprain. Some people are saying torn MCL. Some people are saying meniscus. Some people are saying it's just a bruise or a contusion or whatever. Nobody really has a clear read on what the injury actually is. And again, he's old. They could keep him out longer than one week. Maybe they say, hey, we need him back for the playoffs. We keep him out five, six weeks. You have that upside. You also have a couple other outs to winning this bet. You have what happens if Pollard comes out here, plays lights out, they win the game handedly, and he earns a bigger role moving forward. Or... A floor outcome is just Dak's return makes both of these Cowboys running backs top 24 options now. I didn't really take that into account last week. I, I of course, took into account Dak coming back, but both of these running backs were useful. Zeke had two touchdowns. Pollard had like 83 rushing yards. I want to say he had like just about 10 points. Both of these guys will be fringe starters just with Dak being back in this offense. But like I said, Pollard has a lot of outs to winning this bet. If anything happens to Zeke or if Pollard plays so well that he now gets a new role moving forward. Now, that's going to do it for us today. As always, my entire rest of season rankings, if you want to see who, you know, who the risers are, who the followers are, if you want to make trades out there, make sure you guys are buying and selling, you know, through the lens of how I view players. That'll be all on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. On there, you get my dynasty rankings, you get my uh, weekly rankings, you'll get my waiver wire article I drop every week, you get my start sit streams every Sunday, you get way too much value that I'm putting out there on Patreon. Now, if you can't support me there, likes, subscribes, comments go a massive, massive way at this point in the football season. But I have to write Friday's video now. I think that's going to be 10 stats. Uh, we'll see how that goes again. I kind of, I don't know, man, I might, I might run out of stats to, uh, to find for you guys, but I think I'll, I think I'll be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us today. I appreciate you guys watching. Thank you for sticking around, and I will see you guys in the next one. <laughs> I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, chat, I'm zone.
foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.